0: Okay, so we are going. Here we go. So what would you like to talk about, my love?
1: Hi, Corey, how are you doing?
0: <laughs> I'm good, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you. I thought that we will start, like, greeting.
0: Hi, and welcome to uh, The Feminist Family. <laughs> yes, that's I'm how we I'm Corey is Johnston.
1: <laughs> I'm Pamela Kazekari. <laughs> 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 welcome in our talk show, we're coming in our house, anyway, in our basement, in our our life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's been a while. (laughs) It's been a while. (laughs) Where have we been? Busy. (laughs) Busy. Yes. But we're here,
0: and it's good. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. So. So what are we going to talk about?
1: I thought that today we will, I would like that we talk about, like, um, becoming, becoming who we are. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, um, yes, what made us become like, for example, you, what made you become who you are? Because like, um, uh, uh, we've had like so many times like this conversation mm-hmm. about like, um, you feeling that you, you may be a kind of like a different from, uh, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, when you compare yourself uh, to the people from where you mm-hmm. grown up and uh even your family members and stuff and uh, and I kind of like uh, sometimes many times feel the same mm-hmm. so what made us be the persons we are <laughs> yeah exactly and um, how how one become like um this individual. Uh, I think that I value much like uh uh living to the fullest your life. Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest way to do, I guess. I'm gonna just let you <laughs> tell me <laughs> how did you like um how come you became like this Corey I love, this <laughs> man I love so much and um and yeah. I mean,
0: uh, Everybody's got a story, right? Yes. Uh, and I guess like I always um I didn't yeah, I'm not entirely sure which what makes me me except that I I consider it, you know, a segment of all these various influences, the reason that I am I'm different from the people in my hometown and most of my family and in fact my father is because I didn't just take the things that I was told growing up for granted and for some for some reason something showed me told me something in me was made was put in that questioning position like I was like well but that doesn't sound right or why is that the way it is and like there seems to be a th- a thing where people they get taught about politics or religion or society and the way that things are supposed to work and their culture. And rather than question it, they just move forward with that. That's They incorporate what they've been taught and they just keep moving forward. And that never worked for me. (laughs) Like I was always... Like
1: never? Or uh, it's been a moment where you were like, oh no, it's not
0: working anymore? Well, I mean, for a while I tried... Uh, to kind of make it work, but, um, like when I was a new dad, uh, I thought, okay, I have to fill this role now, right? Like I have to be the breadwinner. I have to be the dad who, uh, takes care of the family. And part of that is great, but also there is a lot of, uh, baggage and toxic ideas that come with that too, right? Like it's, because when you assign yourself the role of the man of the house, well that means that your wife is now the woman of the house and that has, you know, various baggage too. And so there was a time when I was in my first first marriage, <clears throat> excuse me, where uh, where I did I did try to fit that role and I really took on a lot of those ideas. But it didn't take it, once I discovered that I was mistaken about uh, one thing very strongly, it didn't take long for the entire thing to crumble. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because often those those cultural roles, those strict gender roles, and those strict ideas about uh, culture and uh, life, they're built on nothing. They're built on this fabricated idea this arbitrary set of ideas with no good reasoning behind them and at some point you just like maybe 50 years ago 100 years ago there was a good reason for their the man to do the outside work and and whatnot and the woman to do this stuff and i'm not convinced actually that that is a, you know that there was a good reason even 100 years ago because both genders could have uh done that and uh I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are examples of each person, of people who f- go outside their traditional gender roles. But once something becomes a tradition, that becomes a very bad reason. You don't d- just keep doing it because it's the way it's done, right? Like you have to have a reason. And if the reason isn't valid anymore, then you have to question, is this really the best way to do things?
1: Would you say that it, it's it's um, an easy journey? Finally, like uh, to because some people like um, would think that life become easier. Would you say that life is easier when you are living it um, on the marge of society?
0: <laughs> I would. I would say not. <laughs> like. Um, okay, so my viewpoints are contrary to the majority of people that I am surrounded by and that, that doesn't generally, that doesn't affect me. I, I'm a white, straight, cis dude, so I can walk through the world and nobody can know what I'm saying or thinking, right? Right. But if I discuss things with people, then in, then I either have to swallow my words and my opinions or I'm in a conflict situation. (laughs) (laughs) Because just my perspective is contrary to the fundamentals of what so many people around us believe. Okay, but. So.
1: Like, give a, give me like an example of uh how that's uh like in your everyday life like um
0: well i mean we've talked a number of times about uh how regularly i get into arguments with my dad like we i work with him uh until the next month i work with him <laughs> on mondays and tuesdays so we spend 10 hours a day for those two days a week in a vehicle together and he listens to the radio and he gets, you know, he's got, a, he's a man with a lot of opinions, just like I am. But his opinions are very conservative and very like uh, anti-progressive, I guess. Conservative is the word. <laughs> he's very conservative. And I mean, one could say um, <clears throat> he has... Uh, sexist and racist views and those things come up and I I'm not actually the kind of person who will just nod my head and go along with it 90% of the time like if I'm if I'm in a situation where somebody's saying something I'll often be like Like, I might not say, dude, that's fucking racist. What the fuck is wrong with you? But I will say, well, actually, that's kind of just a stereotype and a myth. That's not really true. Right. And I'll try to cite an example of how that, you know, reality differs from this thing that you just said. Uh, A good example. And I mean, not to entirely throw my father under the bus here, (laughs) but but. The other day we were having coffee on our because we had we were ahead of schedule, and we were lo- watching the. There was a show came on and they brought up cancel culture. Uh, and he says, "Oh, I wish I could cancel the people who brought invented cancel culture." And I said, "Like cancel culture isn't even really a thing. Like what it refers to is people." facing consequences for things that they say and companies and individuals deciding that they don't want anything to do with that person because they're saying or doing something shitty. And he says, well, what I mean is the Redskins, the, the, the football team having to change their name. And I looked at him and I said, that's because it's racist. <laughs> and he's like, it is not. I'm like, well, I don't know about you, but I've spoken to a few indigenous peoples that, you know, individuals who think that it is racist and that. (laughs) And that's generally a thing. (laughs) hmm. Um, hmm, hmm. Okay. (laughs) It's a very common example, right? Like a lot of people. Why, why do white people (laughs) feel entitled to define what is or not racist? Because they don't want to be called racist. Because being called racist isn't about describing a behavior that is harmful to them. Being co- being called racist means you're a member of the KKK. It's an insult. It's uh, saying there's something wrong with you as a person, not that you are doing a shitty thing.
1: But what's made them think that they are in a good position to know what is racism.
0: <laughs> i, I don't know if you noticed with that. I, I don't know if you noticed this, my love. But <laughs> white people think they know everything. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. They, they, like we uh, uh, uh <laughs> I'm
1: always shocked I'm, uh, seriously, I'm always shocked when I hear like um uh a white person saying that no, this thing is not racism because generally like one hundred percent of time it is oh yeah, yeah well and <laughs> Otherwise they, that person would be like in position of saying they always, Is it racist or you know, questioning. Right,
0: exactly. Exactly. Because why why fight? It's always okay. about just not feeling like they're a racist. Like it it is <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so so the okay. problem is if you ask if I ask the question, is this actually racist? Is this behavior that I'm engaged in racist? Well that could imply that I'm racist? No, that's you want no. <laughs> well, no, it can imply. The thing well, is, uh... it's like it's like if uh, if you encounter a, a, a vegan, right, mm-hmm. and they say, "Well, eating meat is less moral, less ethical than not eating meat," and you go, "Well, that's ridiculous. Of course not, <laughs> because you don't want to feel like you're doing a thing that's immoral." Right. Mm-hmm. Racism is immoral. It's unethical. It is a, a, a shitty thing to do, to do a racism. <laughs> but so then when you encounter somebody who says, well, that's racist and you go like the way the brain is, we go, well, but I do that and I'm not racist. So it can't be racist. Right?
1: So maybe... Okay, we are maybe moving uh, from our initial... <laughs> topic. Maybe if we were saying that being racist is, is just normal, because if you were raised, if you were born and raised in a s- systemic racism and in mm-hmm. a society that was encouraging racism, it's normal that you be
0: racist. Right. Yeah. But people don't see it because... Because it's been described for so long uh, by white supremacy in a lot of ways as a moral failing, and not and not a description of a behavior that you enact that is changeable, right? That that was for me one of the big big changing points in my perspective on racism was realizing that it's not. I have racism. I was raised in a racist society and, uh, you know, perpetuating racist situations. And as a result, I not only participated in racism, I also um, carry with me inherent uh, implicit racism. So then um, the thing that I always go to is if you see an indigenous person and you lock the vehicle doors, well, then you and you were just you just did a racism, <laughs> right? Like you did it because you felt threatened because of the stereotypes that have been fed to you for so long through your entire life, and that's racist. But it's not because you're a bad person, right? I mean, some people take it to the next level and act and call the police and do all kinds of ridiculous things that actually make them bad people, but just that act. Of locking the doors it doesn't make you a bad person. It does make you racist though. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and for me, when I realized all this stuff, that, that changed, that changed the way I look at racism. When
1: did you realize that? And what, um, I mean, what brought you to re, to realize that, that all, the, all of that? What was like that?
0: Well, it was, it wasn't like that, right? Like it was a series mm-hmm. of, Uh, conversations with people who knew more about these things uh, than I did. And so you had to learn. Yeah, I had to learn about,
1: have you learned about racism or have you learned about being anti-racist? Both.
0: Yeah. Like at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like I didn't, I didn't actually learn about anti-racism until after I learned about what racism was. And then I was like, Okay, so how do I avoid, how do I counteract being racist in a, when I, I ha- carry this implicit racism and when I, uh, am participating in a racist society? Uh, well, that's when you find anti-racism. Cause that's the only answer. Cause.
1: And how, da- how, how did you become like, um, what 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 was the major change in you? Like, um, was it a decision of becoming anti-racist or uh, anti-racism or um, uh, it was it um a process you're well, still in? Well, I mean, and what changed exactly in your life?
0: Well, I've always cared about the truth. Like, I know that uh, I don't believe in a capital T universal like big truth thing that exists. Like I don't believe in God. Right. But I do believe in facts and true statements. And that has always mattered a lot to me that what I was doing, what I was believing in, what I was saying was true on at least, you know, even if I'm wrong, sometimes I want to be as accurate and factual as I can. And when I started learning about racism and, and systemic racism, It came from, it came first from people that I knew were educated in this and and knew more than I did, which I guess not everybody has the access to those kinds of people. But um, so then once I was in that learning mode and I was like in that mode of I need to do the most ethical thing and I need to do the most fact-based thing. Well, then it became apparent that, you know, it because it just the desire to be the most moral, ethical human I can be, uh, the best person I can be uh, is was put me right on that track. Like I have to acknowledge where I'm at and I have to improve and I have to fight against it, you know, my flaws in order to be the best person that I can be.
1: And how, uh, does that make, um, makes you like, a be different, um, when you compare yourself, like, to your
0: friends, people you grow up with or, um, well, I mean, most of my friends also are similar in some way, right? Like to my viewpoints because they also you know the friends that I have now are the friends I kept because they also had that desire to believe in true things.
1: So they, you had to go and clean your friends list. I
0: have I have cleaned out a lot of friends. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> That's radical, right? Yeah, kind of, but necessary.
0: Yeah. Sometimes, absolutely. So if you have somebody who, if if you're on a journey to being your best self. And you see somebody who's consistently saying shitty things and doing shitty things and, and not just saying shitty things, saying and doing shitty things, uh, in their personal life, but that affect other people and then spreading that and trying to fight against you when you're trying to improve yourself. And like, because like they say, misery loves company, I guess, like people with bad views want everybody to believe that their views are correct. I mean, just in the same way that I want everybody to believe my views are correct too, mm-hmm. right? But, but their views, but their views are bad. And instead of being willing to examine them, they demonstrate that they are going to dishonestly spread them as far and wide as they can. And then you have to be like, okay, well now I can't, I can't do anything with you. <laughs> Because you're not willing to put in any effort to become a more educated uh more uh ethical person, so on your
1: journey, you had like to clean regularly, and I guess you still do it like uh, oh, yeah. yeah
0: your friends because I guess, and depending on the level of relationship I have with somebody, of course, there's different levels of that right like it, like if my best friend says something shitty, well, I'm going to send him a message and be like, dude, like that's shitty. Maybe you should think about that. Why, you know, you need to examine that. And we could go back and forth. We can argue about it, whatever. But at the end of the day, the people that I consider my best friends are the people that when I do that with them, they're at least willing to examine the potential for their being incorrect or wrong, right? And if no. If they just double down and triple down, like if my dad wasn't my dad, he wouldn't be my friend. <laughs> if I had to deal do the same arguments with my dad, with some, with anybody else in the world, I would not be wasting the time doing it okay
1: <laughs> and how about the necessity like to um, because that's how I met you by the way mm-hmm. uh, with the way you introduced yourself like uh, how about the necessity like to 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 put an etiquette sometimes on yourself and uh tell like tell the world like this is who I am like well, don't yeah. make me lose my time <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's really important. I was just talking to a friend the other day who's single and he's dating and he says, "I'm starting to learn the level of anti-racism that somebody must have in their life before I can date them." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I know that feeling because you can't no shade on white women." Mhm. Okay. <laughs> there are many good anti-racist white women, but in Saskatchewan, where I am, where we're from, there are many white women who have very racist views and, or very, uh, quote unquote non-racist views, right? Like they don't believe in talking about racism, <laughs> but they're not Why? a racist. For what yeah. Well, yeah I, I don't see color, they say, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and though and aren't they like a dangerous to people like like that
0: yes absolutely uh but those are the type of people that you have to be like okay either i can discuss this with you and you can change your mind or we cannot date and for me as you know i had to demonstrate like right away i'm pro-feminism so if you're a conservative woman who believes in traditional gender roles, this isn't going to work. I'm uh, anti-racist. So if you're colorblind, this isn't going to work. <laughs> I believe in LGBTQIA rights. So if you're a transphobe, or if you're a homophobe, or if you think that uh, lesbians shouldn't be able to adopt children, I can't be friends with you. I can't date you. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, this is this is the guy I met. <laughs> For those who know me before, like um, I think that just by reading the description, I was already in love. With him. I was like, "Oh my god, is this even possible?" Like a guy who can be like that.
0: I guess, and yes, it's possible actually. And I think I think there's a lot of guys out there like that. It's just, uh,
1: but they are not putting that etiquette on them they're yeah. not admitting maybe they're not proud of being that like uh yeah that's another question like um have you ever like um had like to hide that or feel the need of okay i'm going to refrain myself of uh you know bringing that on the table because i i i I'm, maybe i've suffered a lot because of this or I, i've paid well, a lot
0: there's, uh, there's a lot of work situations where to keep the peace at work, you can't be like, dude, that's fucking racist or, but you can try and maybe say like, okay, uh, you know, that's kind of a, a weird stereotype about black people and it's not true, but you can't use the word racist, <laughs> right? Or like you can say, well, you know, I mean, I understand that you have a bad experience with this woman, but not all women are like that. And we both know that like the men that I worked with often had very negative views of women and would lump them all in the same categories. Like, and they would say things like, oh, women are all, are all, <laughs> uh, gold digger. Like they all want your money. They all, only thing they all care about is money. And yet these same guys, they go home to their wife or girlfriend. Do they say that shit to them? Like I I don't, but they say it at work. And for me, I'm like, wow, I mean, I've never had that experience. Like actually, like I've never. Maybe
1: we're not that that much rich. (laughs) Well, no, of course
0: not. Yeah. But no, men don't
1: need even to be rich to, to treat women as a, gold man. Even, even some men who are so poor like <laughs> yep,
0: yep some some men believe that if they only have five dollars in the pocket then a woman is coming to try and take it <laughs> it's so clearly nonsense but they believe it
1: <laughs> okay yes um yeah that's good that's good
0: I love you I love you I love you so much so what about you how did you, how, how do you differ from the people that you grew up with?
1: Um, I think that's, I never felt like I was like, um, belonging in a society where I was fully accepted. I think that as far as I remember, I always saw myself as, um, you know, that individual that is almost outside of it and uh, coming inside and going outside because I, I, I didn't belong like, uh, there. Maybe it came from the fact that I didn't grow up with my, with my mother. Mm. Um, as you know, you know, she, she died when I was, uh, really young and before dying, she was so ill for a long moment. So I didn't get that, um, you know, uh, where I come from, they say that it's the mom, mother who transmits the culture. So maybe I didn't get, like, really that culture <laughs> from where I grew up. And, um, and the fact that, yes, again, I didn't have a mom. I had, like, to forge my own identity, like... You know, without the maybe the correct guidance that I should have,
0: I don't know. I think it came pretty correct, my love.
1: That's not how it felt.
0: No, I believe that. Yeah.
1: So, so yeah, since I was a kid, like I always like uh saw myself like uh as. Not belonging really, not, not the correct, like, piece of <laughs> the, the community I use. Like, I was talking loud, I was, um, uh, I was a loud person, like, I was, um, uh, questioning everything and, um, and almost never getting enough response to my questions. Just annoying, you know, just, um, just saying, like, why, why this? But yeah, but why, why? Why am I supposed to go in the kitchen and not my brother? Yeah. Why, why all of this? Like, why am I supposed to be acting like this just because I'm a girl? Why? Why? I, I, I grew up with that why. And, um, and generally I was the only one bringing that why. <laughs> See when you ask just a question because in my mind I'm like it's just a question and mm-hmm. you see everybody looking at you as Yeah, in fact, why? We have no response for her, but hey. But this is asking, how we do it. Yeah, stop asking <laughs> this question. This is how it is. And uh yeah, I never felt like I was uh belonging and honestly I'm not gonna say that it was uh, an easy thing, you know, because I didn't know that it was something in fact, normal, mm-hmm. you know, that it, that it happened finally to many people, you know, that, that you feel that you don't belong. And in fact, sometimes I think that almost everybody goes in that, you know, almost everybody has that particular area, you know, you go, where you're going to find yourself. Like, I'm not like
0: others. Yeah. I would think. I think. But it, yeah, I don't know. Do. Okay, so obviously everybody has some level of that, right? Yes. Because for
1: me it came in a kind of a complex like that I had of being this different mm. to the point I even wish so many times. And until now, I'm I sometimes like I'm I'm like, I wish I was not asking myself this question. Maybe I would have more peace, you know. Maybe I would feel <laughs> happier. Maybe would, I would, I would be rich. Maybe with all the, um, contacts I had in my life, all the, you know, um, all the people I met in my life, all the occasion I got in my life. Maybe I would be like so far, if I didn't have this yeah. questioning thing, this, um, this, honestly, when I have a question in my mind, I'm going to f- End up asking that question. Yeah. I can go and, uh, hide myself and, um, but at a certain moment, it's going to come, you know, uh, yeah. if I'm not a statue quo person yeah. <laughs> and it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I, yeah, so many times I've been, uh, asking myself, like, I wish I wasn't asking myself this question. I wish, I wish I
0: was just like these people in front, you know, But that, but that's the thing, right? Like, if you if you assume that everybody's got that on some level, then those people are asking themselves: they feel the same way, right? Maybe not all the time, maybe not when you do, but there are times when they are also like, "Oh, I wish I could just be like everybody else." Yes, you know, it would be yeah. (laughs) Because
1: as for me, questioning the world I live in made me pay like so much. Like (laughs) on my, you know, from my finances to my family to, like, I paid a lot. You know, the price of my questions. I mean, I sometimes feel like I paid even more than people who committed some crime or just by questioning. Yeah, I
0: know. Yeah, if you if you if you're too firmly questioning of the like status quo. Uh, then people will socially sanction you, right? Like they'll socially isolate you and they won't... In the same way that you or I might be like, okay, well, that dude's racist. We're not going to talk to them. They'll be like, yeah, that person doesn't just follow the rules like I do. So I'm not going to hang out with them or I'm not going to talk to them. <laughs> I'm not
1: going to work with them. I'm not going to accept yeah. this. You know, sometimes I go in Um, Yeah. I f-
0: <laughs> like... Uh, that's like. Have you ever felt like you have lost job opportunities because of your viewpoint or your uh, I, questioning nature? Oh, so many times! Right, <laughs> like
1: so many times. I, but I, on the same time, I must admit that I also got opportunities because of yeah. Me being like that, you know, I'm not going to say that it's only brought to me like bad things, you know. Well, that's good. I, I got also opportunity. I got so many people who loved me because of me questioning, but I also got so many yeah. enemies and, uh, real enemies, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just that's- because of questioning the word, but I, yeah. Yeah. I, to the point where I'm like, ah. some people are, are saying that freedom doesn't have price. But now I think that, oh, freedom costs a lot. Yeah. Freedom of mind, freedom of, you know.
0: It seems to, right? Like it has a a, a cost on some level at least.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like we don't live cost. in a
1: free world. Not really. At least, uh, as for me, I am not going to say that I'm... Li- I, I remember that at a certain moment, I was living in a free world.
0: Yeah.
1: I lived on three continents, and I still never felt that free world spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So what else?
1: What else? I think um that was... Um, That was it. That that's how I became me. Now I know how you became you, and I'm so happy to be with you. You No, I love you. you. I love you. I love you every day. (laughs) And um, and yeah, I think that if I have a wish to this world is for uh, everybody like us to find really somebody who can
0: complete him or her yeah somebody who uh I, I mean i guess i know not everybody is like uh uh there are asexual people there are aromantic people they don't want to be in like relationships and i wish for them the best that they mm-hmm. that they have the happiness that they want but also for people who feel the need to have a partner i hope they can find somebody who's supportive and like like and will fight with them like i i don't want to there is a thing where a lot of men feel like they have to save the women they're with. Like they save them from an abuse and abusive ex, or they save them from a father who's domineering, or they save them from uh, a situation of whatever bad situation they happen to be in. But I've never, I've never felt like I don't feel like saving somebody is the right move, right? Like, what you want is somebody is to support somebody. What you want is to like be with them and fight alongside them and support them when they need that support. Cause if you're the one doing all the fighting, if you're the only one doing the fighting, it feels like it can feel like the person you're fighting for owes you something in return. And, that's, I don't think that that's a good
1: mm-hmm.
0: way of doing a relationship. And I mean, I've, I've had a couple failures so far on relationships, so I'm not saying that I know everything, but, but I really feel like the, the whole, if you have somebody who will support you and fight alongside you, and if you, uh, support them and will fight alongside them, then, uh, that's, I think that's the real key. Mm-hmm. Words of tonight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're only at, um, how far, how long have we been going? 39 minutes.
1: I think that's enough.
0: You think that's enough?
1: Yeah. All right. It was good to be, to come again. Yeah, it's nice to, nice to podcast with you, my love. Nice to podcast with you too. Yeah. I think that's the moment you say that you have other podcasts. And you promote yourself.
0: Oh, is that what we're supposed to do? Yeah, I have three other podcasts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, have the Mind of a Skeptical Leftist uh, podcast where I, I tend to do interviews and ask some questions and uh, relay information through that uh, about left-wing politics, uh, progressivism and critical thinking. And I have From Many People's Strength, which is a podcast that talks about Saskatchewan politics mm-hmm. and, uh, current events with a friend of mine who is also a, uh, anti-racist and good, uh, critical thinker. So, and he knows a lot more about like finances and stuff. Like he's. I'm. I've got a good philosophical mind, but he's got a. Re- he's also got a. He's good. Got a good philosophical mind, but he's also got a good analytical like base. So, mm-hmm. and then I've got Skeptarchy, which I do with uh, two people, two friends from down in the U.S. and another friend from here in Saskatchewan, and we talk about uh, various topics. Like we're also trying to do progressivism and critical thinking. Like I really think. That skepticism and progressivism and left-wing politics all can go together really well if we do this right.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. And uh, as for myself, and I train people, I uh, encourage people, motivate them uh, to exercise daily and take care of themselves by. Um, Walking out and uh, eating healthy Mm -hmm. and um, loving themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm transitioning to that. And I love this new journey. Mm
0: -hmm. So where can people follow you, my love?
1: Um, They can find me on uh, Instagram. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Pamela uh, at at Pamela Kazekare. Okay. Or uh, Kazekare is K-A-Z-E-K-A-R-E. Or uh, on Facebook, Casicare Pamela. I guess you're gonna put the link. I will try to. <laughs> yes, people come and follow. And uh, if you find me talking uh, much, much French, I'm, I speak French and Kirundi, and mm. you can use Google to translate what I'm saying. And don't mind, I also speak English. And uh, yeah, come, yeah. come to my journey.
0: Awesome.